Folks, welcome inside the Parisi Palace, high above 3773 East Broadway. This is the Jake Feinberg Show, comedy on Power Talk. Thank you so much for making us part of your day today. Aspiration is the simplest definition. A lovely flame climbing heavenward. True aspiration can and does make us feel that if God is for us, who could eventually stand against us? We feel a desire to have God on our side, but we need the aspiration to throw ourselves on God's side. The sun is the only remedy for dark clouds in the sky. Similarly, there is no other medicine than aspiration for our troubled hearts. Aspiration is the first rung of the sky-kissing ladder. Realization is the last. True human aspiration has three intimate friends, purification, quietude, and intensity. Aspiration has an enemy called impatience. Aspiration is the mounting flame of our divine wish to raise ourselves to the crest and crowning of divine perfection. The body aspires through action. The vital aspires through struggles. The mind aspires through self-search. The heart aspires through the feeling of union. The soul aspires through the perfection of God's manifestation. Michael Vest, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. Yeah, an honor to be here. That was amazing. Yeah, well, that was that that, that was Shri Chimnoy. That's not Jake Feinberg, but you know, um, <laughs> I you know I just I you know man I I, I uh, my computer that I play a lot of audio clips on is acting very uh, irreverent today. So I you know I wanted to read that to you because I wanted you to talk about um, your relationship and connection to your God uh, within you. I, I think the the misconception, uh, it's easy for me to see this because I was basically raised agnostic and then sort of went into my own spiritual path um, outside of dogma. But I mean, you know, we basically, uh, when we get out of our own way and you know, our ego and, you know, we allow information to come through us, uh, we are conduits uh, to source or the divine, in my opinion. And we all have the ability to inspire and affect positive change being that way as opposed to taking directives from an imam or a pastor or a rabbi, things like that. And I kind of wanted you to just talk about when you first recognized that you were a conduit for information coming through you from the divine. Uh, well, I've been on a crazy journey and it's been up and down. I've fallen from grace many times. I've forgotten who I really was. I've talked to higher source. I've certain, certainly had many ceremonies where I've rekindled with Source, so it's, it's a roller coaster ride. Um, ultimately, I, I feel like I've entered a state where everything is kind of perfect. So you're an activist, and you're, self, you're seeking self-realization, but you're also living in a world where everything is already perfect. Um, I get, I've gotten little glimpses of that in... Um, say, ayahuasca meditations, or ayahuasca ceremonies or meditations, um, where I've returned to source. And the message of that that's always blown me away is that everything is going along perfectly, hmm. um, except we, we fall out of it and, and induce so much pain and trauma. So that's a tough one. Then you fall back into this crazy world. I'm here on um, in Venice, California, and I can hear some crazy homeless people screaming outside right now. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a, I mean, it's a, well, there's just the, the I mean, uh, we have, we're living in like this very, um, you know, it's like a record in the back of a car in Tucson, 110 degrees, it gets warped. It's a very warped time because you have people living in very <laughs> affluent areas and then right next door or right around outside, you have people that are, you know, in squalor. And uh, I was in LA a couple of weeks ago and there's people that have like full, like living, you know, di- uh, you know, like uh, TV room setups on the, on the corners of, of streets that are part of suburbia. It's just bizarre. It's, and I don't claim to have any solutions. I, I could you talk about a specific time when you fell and ultimately early on, like how, you know, because this always is just a trial and error and a learning kind of process. Um, like when you fell from grace, as you said, um, was it grace itself that um, was able to pick you back up and, and make you believe again? Well, there's two kind of 
things. There's the practice, which is a daily practice of yoga, meditation, things that you, healthy eating, things that you know will raise your vibration. And I used to be part of a meditation group that would meet and we would chant for hours and we were, uh, we were vegetarians, we weren't drinking. Um, so our vibration was very high. So we were, we were using every tool possible. And then other times, you just kind of want to be this crazy um, Parisian poet and, and, and drink and, and, and get moody and gripe about the, the state of modern music. Absolutely. You just want to, you just want to be this, this curmudgeon uh, because there's some weird kind of human enjoyment in, um, in just seeing the darkness and dancing in the shadows also. Um, and then, uh, and then, uh, but you know that what the practice is. And then there's all other times when you can reboot your system, basically, you know, unplugging your computer and plugging it back in in your brain with, say, an ayahuasca ceremony or an intensive meditation retreat, or just a moment of enlightenment where you see how where you just are flooded with gratitude, and that's always great too. But like I said, I I don't really think one is superior than the other. Um, no, I just want you to. Per- I just fall. want you to. Per- I want you to personalize it. You know, talk about um, uh, maybe it was breaking away from a, a circle of spiritual people that you had entrusted, or you know, just something in, in that you um, where you felt a lot of adversity um, and fell because, like you said, maybe you uh, you know uh, didn't reboot your system, but then ultimately how. It came around for you to trust in the fact that you know, obviously, we, and the fact the fact that that in this state we all are in per- perfect harmony. We just tend to get lost and disheveled and create trauma for ourselves. Right. I, I would say um, maybe five years ago I was going through a period where um, I was angry at everyone. I felt um, sometimes you just get angry that the world isn't as evolved as you'd like it to be. <laughs> And, yes. and you, you, and you get angry that some of your friends aren't able to maintain a, a high vibration all the time. And then you feel betrayed and then you, your brain spins out in all these poor me patterns. And, uh, I certainly go get in that, um, strange world. Sometimes I was in it last night a little bit. <laughs> hmm. Um, what have I, what have I done? I'm innocent and they're, it's all their fault. Um, let me ask you though, why, why, um, like I totally understand what you're saying, but at the same time, um, like why are you disappointed in them per se? Because they're not. I guess what I'm trying to say is like what I learned on on my trip is that I can only affect positive change in my world. Uh, that's the only thing I can do, um, and I don't. You know, I, I I dig you guys a lot because you kind of come. Uh, especially on the bandstand, uh, there's no, you know, chest thumping or, you know, sort of look at me, look at me, look at me. And that's a big part of like sort of live entertainment and music. And it always has been. But I just wonder about, um, you know, why you, I mean, you clearly have cultivated your true nature quite a bit, but why do you continue to be let down? And and why do you, um, you know, offer up, I guess here's the the question: Have you gotten into a mode where you approach things with only with intentions and with no expectations? Because I find that like if you attach expectations to something like people's vibration or enlightenment or whatever it is, if you attach expectations to to people, oftentimes you're going to be let down. But if you go in strictly with intention. Uh, the chances are um, everything's going to be cool because you don't have any expectations. You can riff on that any way you want. Uh, you uh, you said it. That's 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 exactly what I'm working on, uh, Jake. It's hard to um, do. Believe me, I, I mean, told, I fall down myself. But the irony, of course, is when I told my friend that a couple days ago that I'm lowering my expectations, he, he said that sounded incredibly negative. But I'm like, no, man, I'm just going to accept what is. <laughs> I'm accepting it all. And also the other one that goes with that is not making assumptions. That's a you huge deal. Well, then that's a preconceived. It's funny you bring that up because I was just transcribing my interview with um, Spooner Olden, who, who uh, was a huge songwriter, still is, and you know was like, didn't did some live touring, not a lot, but was on the uh, 
<laughs> was on the Bob Dylan tours when he did um, Saved and um, Slow Train Coming. So Bob had basically converted to Christianity. Uh, at the time, they were rehearsing in Santa Barbara and or Santa Monica, and, and Spooner one day looks at the at the bass player Tim Drummond. He goes, "Well, what what's Bob really like?" You know, and uh, Tim's like, "Well, you know, he's he spends a lot of his time in his hotel room on the phone." And uh, and Spooner was like, "Man, he's like, you know, in my preconceived little bubble perception of Bob Dylan, it was like, you know, I just figured he was a big music star. He was probably had pe- was trying to get away from people because he had so much going on." So you assume stuff, that's maybe not the best example, but you assume, and again, that leads towards um, painting with sometimes a broader brush than you want, and then being crestfallen. I don't know, I mean, the Dow, I received the Dow, like, you know, almost 10 years ago, and it fundamentally changed me, like, I have zero of that, um, I, I, you know, it's so interesting, because I just, I know I'd be caught in that web, what you just talked about uh i'm gonna lower my expectations and then somebody says well that sounds very negative and then i would take it personally or i would get caught up in it and it'd be drama i don't even deal with that stuff anymore i mean it's it's just so strange like i i don't know and i can only explain it through through spirit it's like i don't have time uh to i don't want to spend any spiritual energy feeling downtrodden if somebody cannot understand where i'm coming from if they don't want to um if if they're not ready to come i'm not going to push them i you know it's just it's something that uh how do you feel about um like how quickly were you are you able to let stuff go like that because it seems to me like at this point people like yourself should be spending as little spiritual time as possible being let down or being offended or dealing with drama based on somebody's inability to, uh, you know, just be a little bit, uh, you know, just saying things that might, might trigger you or something. Um, of course. I, Ram Das always said, like, if you've been meditating up in the Himalayas in your cave, the, the best spiritual practice is to go to Thanksgiving dinner with your family, you know? <laughs> oh, man, dude, I'm telling <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right i mean you know, you know explain explain to the really explain yeah. explain to the, the the cats that'll listen to this you know 50 years from now what 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 he meant what he means by that he means that um the way to see where you are spiritually is to see your love in action to see how much you're vibrating on a love plane with people mm-hmm. um that's the way you you see how you're doing on this planet really and um, also, you don't need um, the appreciation or the praise. You just are love. So you're already being, you're already where you need to be. You don't need to get anywhere. That's the way I'm taking it. Let me ask you a question uh, about uh, like why do you choose to live in this country? Because we that is antithetical to berserker capitalism, Judeo-Christian philosophy. I mean, the idea of... Um, this whole thing about striving and going towards something that's going to make you happier and commodifying everything. I mean, obviously a lot of jazz musicians, they make their living overseas in, you know, in normal times in the Europe and Japan, and they live in the States. And this place is an intoxicating place to a certain degree. You can go to these spiritual havens in Santa Fe, Sedona, you know, and there's a lot of amazingly cosmic people but do you think that some of your, I don't know what the right word is, consternation, frustration, um, is just due to the fact that you're living here? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. The, but the West Coast, I mean, the, the vibe going on on the West Coast, the, my friends in the music scene are so supportive of each other. It reminds me of like laurel canyon in the 60s yeah. it's everyone is helping each other so there's no competition on that level there might be competition in the uh superstar world i don't know but in in the west coast scene with farmer dave and pacific range and grateful shred it's just all a big love vibe it's beautiful the west coast is is still very spiritual and very chill it, and we still do need to work on this capitalism <laughs> well no what i mean is like the idea of the idea that you talk about in, in, in a very like sort of with a lot of gravitas about everything is actually perfect and we are love or embodied love. Um, 
you know, uh, sometimes I just feel like, uh, I mean, that's what we're lacking the most in this country at this point. It's not even capitalism. It's just the body of the car is very sleek, but there's no soul inside. Granted, we have these outliers of amazing pockets of love, like, you know, Farmer, the Californiosos, the all these cats that, that I've gotten hip to and completely connect with. I just wonder maybe you could, if you talk to cats out there who clearly maybe are just like, what are they talking about? Um, how people can slowly affect change and get closer to their true nature so that we can live more peacefully. And the idea that I think this is never talked about, but like the idea of just taking like, um, you know, this, this violence, gun violence coming out of the pandemic, you have, um, a lot of people settling scores through guns. Uh, you know, people are very agitated, very angry. Um, but I think what a lot of people don't talk about is one of the reasons, you know, the definition of insanity is doing something over and over again and expecting a different result. And every time that we have these kinds of mass atrocities or whatever it is, it's always no, nothing ever gets done. There's no progress towards something that rational, sentient beings would say, okay, it's not perfect, but we're making progress. Um, I just, you know, it seems to me like it's very hard to to get any, to make, to make, uh, to, to feel like you're making progress if you can't even do stuff that's going to assure people that we're doing stuff that seems to be sane. And I just wonder, you know, what your advice would be to people who maybe come from very dogmatic households. These are younger cats, obviously that are searching. They want to, you know, and they may not be like somebody who's going to read Siddhartha or, you know, books. What would be your advice to them to, to, to go off the path and become a seeker? Ha <laughs> um, Well, uh, I think you just need to be very wary of belief systems because they create the other, whether it's patriotism or religions or anything that makes you against you better or more enlightened than the other is are the paradigms that are the problem we have to see that we're all related and someone else's suffering or happiness is is wrapped up with us as well we're all we all want the same things happy families health and and freedom it's so basic but we're still stuck in the paradigms of blaming the other constantly so um really it's just compassion um for the for as far as going on your own spiritual path, well, there's, I mean, music blew minds. You know, I think, I think the music of the '60s was a huge part of that whole um, revolution, really, or I would even call it an evolution. Right. You know, the Beatles, the Beatles blew minds. Psychedelics blew minds, and um, I do think things are getting better. People are coming together. I think there's there's more happiness and less suffering and less war on the planet than there's ever been. I don't think there was ever a golden age that is as good as now. That's not to say we don't have a ton more work to do. Um, but I think, I think you can see that the human evolution is working. Um, it's just so slow. <laughs> well, I mean, it just is also, uh, I, I, I think you're, there are some things that are right. I just think that, um, uh, you know, the fact that like we talked about, um, you know, this, um, clearly this, this, this climate issue. And also, um, you know, you can't ignore, uh, demagoguery and, and, and things like that. So we, you know, I mean, I want to believe what you're saying. Uh, I, I hope that, you know, that there's enough people out there that, you know, can feel that and at least cultivate that a little bit more in order to, um, you know, what happened on January 6th is going to, there, there could be another, I, I don't see how we're making progress if, if basically the former president, Barack Obama, is basically saying it could happen again and it could be worse. I mean, this is never, you know, that to me is just absolutely petrifying and doesn't strike me as progress. The progress would have been, uh, you know, starting these uh, climate initiatives back when Al Gore did uh, Inconvenient Truth. Uh, progress would have been not lying our way into the Iraq war. I, I see us, um, I guess I'm just trying to find the, try, trying to find the silver lining. I'm a very positive person, but it's a dark time, man. Like I, I, where do you see, 
tell, give me some, give me some, let me look towards the light. Tell me about progress in your mind that, because I mean, we're overpopulated as, as a world, the, 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 the climate is changing and we're leaning towards autocracy. It's, I don't, so tell me what, what you see that I don't. Well, we lied, our, we lied our way into the Iraq War, but we also lied our way into the Vietnam War, which killed 100 times more people. True. So, and, and you could say that the, the, the 60s revolution helped end that war. Um, so then you go back to World War II, and then you go back to World War I, and then you just go back to endless, and then you go back to the Civil War, which was a lot worse than the Capitol riots, the Civil War, where the whole nation was split. I think that my view of the Capitol riots is that um, it brought out this dark side to America that's always been there, that's always been under the shadow, the racist uncle at the Thanksgiving dinner. You know, we've all had it. Now we are actually dealing with it. 100%. That's what I think. It's coming out, and we are dealing with this dark thing that America's never dealt with. America is such a duality, you know. Uh, I just had a huge debate with a friend last night about um, Thomas Jefferson. You know, he owned slaves, but he also wrote "All people are created equal." So um, that's America for you. We're 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 pretty nutty. We were made. We were in, um, founded by Puritans, people who really, you know, were um, extremist religious people. And now mega churches are still are part of this. Um, are locked in with this um, Trump movement and this kind of white fear. So it's all it's all interesting. I think we're dealing with it, though. I really do. But I mean, I, I, I trust. I know. I mean, I I think th- this is so therapeutic for me. Um, I don't. <laughs> it's funny. I don't really. Um, did you ever get to a point in your artistic life, Michael, where um, basically you went off on your own path, and the closest people around you didn't understand it, maybe resented it. Or even, uh, uh, and and you lost kind of contact with them, or you lost some kind of bond. But but you stayed on your path. You didn't get off your path. And then over time, the real cats, the the loyal, the ones that sort of recognized that you were dogged about staying on this, the insecure path, it came back around, and 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 the respect and the bond was even stronger. I think. The reason I bring it up about these mega churches, things like that, people are just so enshrouded with the same social circles. They do everything with people that look the same. They go to the same places of worship. They eat at the same places. And they don't know how to, even if they are miserable, they don't know where to turn because they don't have, they don't even know what humanity really looks like. And I just wonder, I did that with my show. I mean, when I started, People were like, you're freaking nuts. You know, what are you doing? And I didn't have my voice. And I was in the first couple of years really just kind of stuck, not really enjoying it. But I listen back and I cringe when I listen to that stuff because I'm really struggling trying to ask all these great cats questions like Jack DeJanet and Pat Martino. And, you know, I'd get it was just but they helped me find my voice. And then over time, a lot of people that kind of backed away and were like, what is this cat up to? Um, they've come back around and um and I guess maybe more to the point, I don't, I never wavered and I'm pretty much just like the foundation is very strong. And I just wonder if you could share a time when you really were like, I'm taking this path and, you know, I'm not looking, well, I don't even know exactly what I'm doing, but I definitely am, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. So with you, you're good, you're a uh some friends came back around and they they got you again years li- i mean but years though i mean really i mean it was like and it was okay like i had i guess i built a community of of people telephonically on my show um and i had my kids my family and i wasn't but they they did come and they're still coming back today anyway i'm sorry to cut you off they did come back though good I, my friends have all come back, but I've gone through some definitely some serious periods. I've gotten through some periods where I, I was having some profound visions that I wanted to share as gospel, wow. and some, some people were not ready to hear that stuff. But it was basically that vision. Uh, you cannot tell people that everything is perfect when they're in suffering and in pain. No one wants to hear that, and it's it's the wrong timing. You know, you can't say, "But everything's perfect, man." Uh, no, they don't want to hear. No, no, no. That, that I dig. And, and and it's it's a different semantics. It's not perfect. It's like it's like you're perfectly 
who you have to be right now. We're all perfect, but it's it's complicated. So you have to you have to be careful. But I did, um, yeah. And I also went through a very conspiracy, conspiratorial time where I was, you know, shape shifting aliens were controlling our government and somewhat what QAnon's doing now. But this was like twenty years ago. But I um maybe I was a little too dogmatic about that. Well, let's talk about, about that. First of all, I want to. I know. But I, I don't. This is so legitimate. Let's let's talk about. Uh, a prophecy, a vision, one one vision you had. Okay, well, I'll give you, I'll give you the, I can give you, which one should I give you? I had two profound ones. Well, okay, one is I saw that all life is one life form moving through time, which was actually space. So, like, imagine this giant tentacled creature moving through the dark, and that is God, <laughs> and we are space-time continuum. God. I love this, man. Yeah, and every tentacle, and we are every nerve ending is one of us. And so, if you die from heroin in the alley, or you become president of the United States, they're both valid because they're they're the tentacles of this one beautiful, glorious creature getting to know herself by experiencing. All you have to do is live, and you're doing your job perfectly. And we are all one. And it's um, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. So, and and explain why people weren't ready to hear that stuff, or or what was the comeback? The idea of saying, no, the the junkie wasted herself, and the president is uh, you know, he's a go getter. I mean, I mean, what what was the feedback you got? Well, it sounds passive. The way people sometimes think Buddhism is passive, but yes. it's not. It's it's profound activism, but it's 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 a different way of framing the mm -hmm. problem. Um, it's you know I was listening to Deepak Chopra the other day, and he's like, you know, I'm no longer a, a pissed off activist. I accepted the madness. I you know yeah. I'm preparing for my own old age and death, and now I am I am doing the same amount of work, but it does not working me up the way it used to. Well, I thought that was beautiful. <laughs> right, I, I feel that. I mean, the the uh, you you think. I mean, I think it's it's interesting, man. I uh, you do get worked up when you are dealing. You have tend to have deep discussions with friends, people like that, and you do get worked up and animated when things are when you're getting pushback or, I mean, I, this is fascinating to me because I, it, it, it's, I used to have all this stuff in some ways and maybe I still do, I guess, but I, or maybe I've just shut myself off from a lot of cats, but I mean, I just don't go into those. I just don't get to that point um, where I get that worked up. Maybe I'm not an activist. Maybe that's the point, you know, um, you know, how have you learned to, I guess on the bandstand too. I mean, can you talk about experiences on the bands? Not with not with uh, Weistein and and Farmer, but I mean, you know, when it was clear that um, your focus was not, unfortunately, because you were being distracted by somebody's wanking behavior, you weren't able to really focus on uh, the the transcendent quality of group music. Uh, can you talk about how you've learned to to get those distractions sort of? away and like i said in my intro get to a place of of uh of quietude on the bandstand uh yeah sure i mean i could talk for hours about the Go, man. sacred nature of, of music because when you're playing music with someone you can't lie you're either harmonizing you're in harmony or you're not in harmony you're either in rhythm or you're not in rhythm language you can there's all sorts of levels of lying and deluding yourself, but music is so pure. And I feel like in the future, we will learn a language of music to talk to each other, which will almost be telepathic. In fact, I believe that sound vibration will, will be the, the next big um, revolutionary inventions on this planet. I think we can heal with sound. I think we can probably solve global warming with sound. So I'm, I'm huge. But, I will, but what we do here in this recording studio um, Earth Star Creation Sonic Day yeah, yeah. We um, every Thursday we have a jam band that meets, and we get together and we turn off the lights and we all play in pretty much darkness. And we don't talk about what we're going to play. We just play in the true sense of playing, like in a sandbox. And we just make notes in the air, and we just enjoy the notes that we're making. And um, I think it's so beautiful. I think everyone's right as music. I don't know why there's musicians and non-musicians. 
professionals and non-professionals. I think everyone should just make music. It's not called... It's not called working music. It's called playing music. <laughs> uh, well, it's, right. uh, yeah, I mean, there now. So, can you talk a little bit about your own? And I, you know, I don't care if there's no, you know, periodicals about it or data, but why the why sound will become? Uh, I forget what you just said. Not not for climate change, but be it the a on a larger scale, the the next sort of big expansion of of um of healing because it already is in some way but you're talking about it on a much larger scale right i mean there is crystal bowl healing did you do healings there's lots of this binaural healing people are experimenting big time with it but as we know everything is vibration you know basically a chair is the atoms are vibrating to make chair they're vibrating that this the chair is the song of chair right. basically so if you can figure out the way the atoms are vibrating you can understand chair or understand tree. You can, you can heal. You can, you can reconstitute with the same vibration. Um, I read a lot of channeled stuff where there's other entities who are able to do this easily in their highly evolved cultures. Um, and Tesla was trying to do it too, you know? And, and there's, there's, there have been some major breakthroughs in that recently. Um, and then, I, uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, how, how, and then talk about as it relates to climate. I think I've never heard that before, but talk about as it relates to climate change. Well, we're putting massive amounts of carbon into the atmosphere, which is, which is heating up this planet. And we, if we can find the vibration of carbon, we can, um, disseminate it, you know, but electric cars and solar panels are just as fun and easy too. So <laughs> that's an easy solution. Um, you said but we can heal, yeah. we can we can heal the planet by singing its praises. We can sing the planet's praises in the right vibration, and every and we can heal the planet. It's a, you know, it's a. People have known this, and we all want to do it. We just have to get it together. Yeah, I, mean, I think. Do you, I mean? Do you think we really all want to do it? Everyone wants to have healthy families and healthy lives. Everybody. There's not one person who doesn't. Hmm. You said playing playing music. Like It's not working music. It's playing music. Uh, I remember talking to the late, great Charlie Persa, who is a Dizzy's drummer, rest in peace, and... Um, you know, they used to have a very hard time as professional musicians, touring musicians, going in and getting bad pay because people say, oh, you're just playing, man. You're just playing. And they're like, we're not playing, man. This is intense stuff. Obviously, the language they were creating at the time, uh, bebop, if that's what you want to call it. Um, but, you know, to me, there's nothing. What you're doing is great on Thursdays, but... It would be naive to say that, that that word playing, granted, I go home and hit my marimba and I, I you know, I, I, listen, I listen to Crusaders records and it feels great. I, I mean, I, I do what you do, but it's, I'm just talking, step back and, and, and talk to me about, do you think that society um, at large, this society especially, still views a musician as a legitimate working professional? Um, or is it is music a musician's gift to the world? You can pay to play or play for the door. We, I mean, Miles and Dizzy and those cats, they, they weren't millionaires. They had good lives. Train lived in a nice house in Long Island. They were the stars of jazz. Um, today, I'm not just talking about jazz. Uh, it just, I'd like to get your, your thoughts on this idea of if you think that how the significance of music has changed in our culture well uh there's an interesting um two weeks ago i went to a little tiny bar by the by lax airport and i saw peter erskine and his trio oh my god dude i haven't gotten to that cat and, yet the, well yeah the drummer for weather report. oh my god weather report weather report was probably the biggest rock star jazz band that was when jazz and rock could play giant woodstock sized venues you know absolutely they were um and so there were 10 of us in this little room watching Peter Erskine, and I was five feet from him, which was fantastic. But, I mean, it's so crazy. Um, 
the skills and the chops aren't quite as important with it, with laptop, you know, drum beats and stuff. Um... <laughs> also, I mean, we're talking about. Well, also the thing about Weather Report. Somebody pointed this out to me, but um, they were the only fusion band to not be represented with a guitar player. You know, it was Wayne as the lead, which was fascinating. Yeah. No, no guitars. But Erskine, I mean, I'm talking about younger. I mean, I'm 43. Our generation, younger cats. Erskine's an established dude. He's not. He lived through the gravy years of studio recording and touring. I mean, that's the thing that's bothering me is that there is no studio scene in, in terms of, like, vibrancy or being called in for studio dates intellectual property is non-existent you know that from downloads you get you know whatever some sort of meager compensation based off downloads the only way you make money is at the merch table on tour it's a i mean that's why i continue to do my show michael because i just feel like um i just don't i i will not stop until the working authentic creative musicians are seen as a viable profession doesn't have to be rich I just want to get your take on that. I mean, granted, going to see Erskine's a mind-blowing experience, but the idea of, do you really think that in the United States, a musician is still seen as a viable profession? Well, the the point I was going to make about Erskine is he had the biggest beatific smile on his face the whole time. So 10 people in the audience wasn't bothering him the slightest. He was in heaven. But but anyway. Oh, so, no, I'm sorry. I, I, so there, I were, there, were, there were 10 people there or you went, you came with a party of 10 people? There were 10 people watching okay. him. Right, right. <laughs> in the bar. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's so great, man. And he was happy about it. He was feeling, he was beaming gratitude. So, uh, you know. But my, but um, it's such an incredible point, and I don't want to turn into one of those curmudgeons about music. Go ahead. Music to me, music to me. You know, when you get um, Coltrane and and um, Sun Ra, and you get um, prophets like Bob Marley and Bob Dylan or Jim Morrison. I mean, music was very music reached very sublime levels. Absolutely, of, uh, Nirvana type levels. Telling. Absolutely. Near, where the truth is coming is channeling through in incredible ways and really shaking and challenging us in deep ways. I'm not, I'm looking, I'm, I have this recording studio and if, if some young, you know, 15 year old Joni Mitchell wants to record, if I, you know, I'm going to record her a lot or anyone who, you know, anyone who writes poetry of the deepest truth is always welcome here, but I'm, I'm looking, I'm keeping my eyes out, but music's so weird now. I mean, you get someone who sits on their bed and, and plays along a perfect solo on their bed and they get like millions and millions of views. It's just like a minute of like note for note soloing. It's weird. And all content influencers and I don't fully understand it. Well, but, well um, no, it's, I mean, I can tell you, I mean, so clearly, um, you know, you mentioned Marley and, and, uh, and, Jim, Jim Morrison and Train and, you know, you were actually watching like uh, magic happen right in front of you and it was an introspective thing. I mean, I can't imagine walking out of certain concerts uh, just not, there wasn't a lot of talking going on. People's ex- minds were expanding and, and obviously a lot of square cats um, got caught up in that as well just because we weren't, um, it was just a much, I don't know what, the, we weren't all interconnected. So a lot of just regular cats were showing up to stuff and it wasn't based on you know this or what you believe in partisan this that and the other thing i mean i literally uh and so i you know like for you uh, you know like how how you know because whatever you want to say about the pandemic i mean most of the guys and gals that I interview, I mean, they're pretty horny to play and, you know, play music in front of people. Um, now, I mean, Earthstar Creation, it's a multifaceted place. You are very resourceful. You create your own opportunities. But, um, I mean, are you content not seeing the bandstand for for months at a time? What would be, uh, what would be the ideal Michael Vest um, sort of paradigm for the for the authentic creative musician three gigs a week i mean to me what i'm saying is like we are a mass in wealth 
Um, it's all being sucked up to the very high end. Um, you can't even realistically rent a club on some boulevard in L.A. because it's so expensive. That was antithetical back in the day. But the idea of getting closer and closer to a renaissance of vibration that you were talking about, it starts with live music. And what would be your ideal? Are you content at Earthstar in the darkness on Thursdays, or, or do you want more? Well, we're, we're, we're not playing to human audiences there. <laughs> but, uh, no. I've, ne- I've never, I've never um, you know, right before the pandemic, uh, we had booked uh, a West Coast tour. We were going to open for Circles Around the Sun and play a bunch of gigs up and down the coast to very pretty, for me, pretty large group of jam, in a jam band environment. You know, I was working on my, my Mixolydian scale. I was going to be up there, you know, soloing in front of a crowd of dancing people. And I've never done that. So that was going to be amazing. And it just got completely full-on shutdown <laughs> but i'm excited for the live scene because the audiences are going to be so appreciative and full of energy it's going to be the coolest um live gigs this summer it's going to be amazing what do you have the energy. Well, I, first of all i had no idea what you were going to be you're not going to go on circles tour in the, in the fall with them are you uh no Mm-mm. i was gonna say uh, that would have been a fan dave and i, dave yeah. and I you know, Dave and I haven't seen each other as much. To, we had a we had a pretty good working band uh, with our we had our chops up, and then during the pandemic, we kind of he moved to Ventura and we kind of chilled out. But uh, no, but I'm excited for Circles. It's going to be a killer tour. Let me do. Do you have um, do you have um, any kind of events um, or things that you would? I just oftentimes feel like there's. Um, you know, when you speak about, not you specifically, but when people put stuff out into the air, it, oftentimes it manifests. And I just was wondering if you had something that, you know, you wanted to talk about or share in terms of um, some kind of a artistic event, musical event that, that maybe not on the books yet, but that you're hoping comes to fruition. Well, I would love to have some kind of giant interactive events like the old... Um, you know, acid tests with the dead, where with uh, mm. with visuals, dancers, art, artists, and um, you know, very freeform music, where there was where the where the 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 boundary between the audience and the the players kind of broke down a bit, and it would be it would be really interesting to have some kind of beautiful spiritual fest. I guess it's a festival, or it just could be a, a night in a giant warehouse, but that would be pretty cool. That would be one of my visions: is to have these almost ritualistic gatherings that could be really almost like a really groovy church. <laughs> I got to tell you, it's just so funny you bring this up because I—you're the first person I'm telling about this. Um, <clears throat> but um, a cat named Jim Loveless, known as Bird, um, incredible marimba player, um, and uh, a guy who was. <laughs> very well connected to uh, Mickey Hart and the Grateful Dead. He 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 did a lot of um, work with the the Digger Rhythm Band. Then he 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 was very involved with Apocalypse Now, and also he's just a, an amazing builder, kind of an avatar cat. And um, he's been um, put in charge of managing uh, a, a building in San Rafael, California, that's being turned into a sacred space and he wants me to be the impresario and curator there. And, uh, so I'm just letting you know that, that, that interaction and melting between the audience and the, and the, and the band is going to come to fruition with California. So it's gonna be one of my top priorities, man, is, <laughs> is bringing, I mean, if, if this, I'm going out in, in two weeks to, um, to see the place, it's it's got to be renovated to a degree. There's a huge endowment. I don't even know how this all fell into my lap, but it's the best opportunity I've ever had in my life. If it comes to fruition, I'm bringing up all the fucking excuse my language. I'm bringing up all the cats. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean that that's wow, that's yeah. great, man. Yeah. yeah, San Rafael, what a great, perfect ground zero too. Ground, it's, dude. You said I can't believe you yeah. said ground zero. No, I mean the only. It's just so funny because. If you want to say we're in competition, it, we're, we're just the only other club there is Terrapin Crossroads, which possibly is a place you would have played with Circles. Um, yeah. Um, but but that's the only place, and they are 
uh, anyway, it's it the it's it's a very insanely classic opportunity, and uh, if I'm given a budget and allowed to bring in, I'm not bringing in uh, guys that are gonna. Um, this is gonna be a some kind of place that's gonna live on for a long time, and it's not we're not gonna run out of the gates with gangbusters. But I'm not gonna forget the people that helped me grow uh, as a broadcaster and sort of helped me into the scene. And so I'm I'm going to do everything I can to to uh, if if this thing goes down to get you guys up there because I think what you're talking about it's actually what's what's cool about it is the the main stage area there's like a speakeasy upstairs that might I guess you know be a members only thing with that will serve alcohol but it's not no alcohol there so in theory you could go and have be completely psychedelicized and really have a completely spiritual experience there which is a brilliant idea. Uh, yeah, it's it's time. And no, I, I think it's a beautiful idea. To, I'm gonna we're gonna. I will do anything to help, and that's great. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm telling you, you guys are. Anyway. Yeah, we're just gonna have. I think it would make more sense to do it as a <clears throat> running kind of three day event or two day event kind of thing, where you have multiple bands. Uh, it, you know, listen, I got to go up there. And this this place is so. It's right in downtown San Rafael. It's pretty amazing, Vest. I'll, I'll keep you updated, man. Tell me about. Please, I will. Tell me about the Californiosos. I mean, you guys, what Weistein is is a frenetically wild, amazing drummer, farmer. You guys seem to get into in, heading into some sort of different vortexes. I I I just want to know like how far much how far you think that band can grow because it seems to me like kind of the sky's the limit. It, we, Dave and I were just talking about that the other day because um, the first album was really like little scraps and hodgepodge songs that were laying around, and it was a learning experience, as all first albums are. And now we're really poised to to spread our wings and do exactly what we want. You know, if we want to do a, a ten minute spiritual jazz journey, we can do it. I know. We know how? I mean, it's freaking so, amazing how you guys. I really. Th- I mean, you guys are not. Do you feel like you're getting to a point? Maybe you already have. Where you, when you're really in it and jamming hard, that you're playing stuff that you don't know what how to play, but you're going forward and with it because you have the experience, you're able to pull it off. That to me is always how you grow vocabulary on the bandstand. Is you know you have to go for it, uh, even if you don't have everything down in the rudimentary uh, aspect of it. But you're playing stuff you don't necessarily know. Same thing can apply to practicing. But I just I, I wanted to know how often you guys get to that space where Afterwards, when you listen back or whatever, you're like, "Whoa, I, I don't even know how that came out of me." Well, I, I certainly have experienced that with my Thursday jam band, where it will be three hours of that of whoa, like you, you can tune out, you didn't even, you can forget you're playing music for ten minutes, like you're being played. <laughs> it's crazy, right? The music's playing, so, you, right? Yeah, but no, unfortunately, my experience being live is so nervous that I'm playing like real safe stuff. I really want to stretch out. I want to be played and allow the unknown to happen. And, and you can tell when, you know, soloists are taking risks and playing at the edge of their ability. Exactly. You don't hear as much anymore, but I love that. Dude, stuff. that's what I'm talking about. That's that in conjunction with a sangha, some sort of ritualistic kind of uh, musical experience and people playing on the edge. I mean, there's a reason why the dead got more musical as the years went on is because they kept going for it at every show and their fans let them suck pretty bad um, sometimes. <laughs> but yeah. I think that, like, that is something that is so important. People are so pet, not petrified. They're just playing it safe. They want to, and I don't want to sp- paint with a broad brush. There are plenty of cats. I just, I want cats to go from minute one of the show and go for it till the end of the show, not in spurts. I realize that's hard to do. It's just that is essential for moving us forward from a verbal sort of, renaissance into a vibrational renaissance because we're very verbose now there's everything's litigated everything's we hang on words things are parsed yet you go into the vibrational renaissance and all that shit goes away man i i mean dude i it's it is beyond healing and uh and i just all i'm looking what do you think are the antecedents to move us forward into this um vibrational renaissance i know we're sort of there yeah go ahead 
Well, just to, and also just to get back about the dead, you just reminded me of when I used to go to dead shows. The dead were allowed to suck. They were allowed, that's what I'm saying. Their were, fans allowed them to suck. Yes. Yeah, because you knew the next show was going to be better, or maybe they were going to just get it together by the second. Exactly. Set. I mean, they. It was forgiveness, man. Just like the we, we got to allow each other to suck sometimes too, just in life, because we're all trying to get it together. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, man. You think that that's a, that that's not, but that's not. I mean that that they were an outlier. Do you think they were an outlier? Or do you think that that was something that forgiveness was not only prevalent but um, was a very important personal quality at a different time in our in our in, in our civilization? Forgiveness? No, except in this maybe in this in that period of the '60s where you know everyone was too, tuned in and turned on. Where I think um, everyone was rebelling. Everyone was questioning their beliefs together so that certainly engenders a certain amount of like we're all just trying to get it together we don't know what we're doing we're we're just free flying here you know mm. which is all all great evolutionary leaps are, are are periods of great trust like that you have to really trust each other and allow each other to screw up some because that's what evolution is you know some mutations work some don't but we're gonna get through this <laughs> i love your attitude man i mean what what is uh in your mind, uh, you know, it's we coming up on a, a holiday here that, you know, I mean, I'm just 43 and went through the public school system and learned that it was a celebration of America's freedom and things like that. And I just, you know, so, someone like yourself, very thoughtful cat, uh, how, what, how do you look at, at this holiday weekend coming up? Just because... When I talk to people like Gary Bartz or some of the masters of African-American classical music, they often say that, uh, as I talk about, <clears throat> I'll ask them about what needs to be done towards sort of rectifying some of the original sins of our country as it relates to slavery and reparations and um, sort of uh, equanimity. And he says the first thing, you know, really before they open the schools is that they need to rewrite the history books because, you know, half the story has not been told. And he's right. And I just wonder how you go into a weekend like this where there's just a lot of flag-waving and, and patriotic uh, chest-thumping. What does Independence Day mean to Michael Vest? Well, I, I find patriotism very um, disturbing. You know, um, the, the fireworks to me represent bombs. So right. I, I, I'm a very disturbed by... Uh, too much patriotism. At the same time, I'm a huge uh, Founding Fathers scholar. I mean, I'm obsessed with Jefferson. I've read everything he's ever done. Wow. And like I said, I got in this debate with a friend last night about Jefferson where she was like, we got to tear down all the statues. He's, he owned slaves and he was evil. And I'm like, but it's, it's nuanced. Um, just like Miles Davis is nuanced. Miles Davis and Thomas Jefferson, I could put in the same category in my mind, man. <laughs> you know, they created, they, they created amazing stuff. Were they perfect humans? I don't know. <laughs> no, they weren't. But um, I think here's what I think. I think that America is the is the worst possible political system, except for all the other ones. <laughs> wow, dude! You know that's probably the best. Yeah. So what does that mean? Is that it's the best of the worst? <laughs> I mean, that's like uh, that it's, is so interesting. They all suck. They all suck, and we're we're trying to create better political systems. And our founding fathers landed on something that's pretty good. And we're trying to get there. When Thomas Jefferson all, said, you know, all people are created equal, we're, we're still working on that. <laughs> well, I mean. But at least, at least he said it. I think what you're trying to say is that don't, when your friend is like, you know, he's, he's everything, he's, he should be in, in, you know, he should, he should uh, you know, everything should be removed because he was part, he contributed to this whole idea of our original sin. And you're saying, slow down. Uh, because th you have to look at the entire picture of somebody, and we are all human animals. Am I, am I getting that right? It, I think that I would be, if people are going to rip down the history books and write new history books, I would want to know where their facts are coming from also. Because as we know, everyone sees like one YouTube interview and thinks that they're experts these days. That was the whole QAnon rabbit hole. So, App, no, and I, what um, I mean, I should have made myself clear. Like the idea of the history book thing is like, we only hear about one abolitionist, John Brown. John Brown was white. 
There were many black abolitionists. Why don't we hear about them? There are pictures, there were pictures in, in textbooks in the 70s and 80s of slaves on plantations sitting on a rock playing a banjo, smiling as if they were enjoying it. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about is talking about the other side of history. I mean, obviously we know about Black Wall Street now, um, you know, the sort of the Tulsa race riots, but I'm not even talking about QAnon stuff. I'm talking about a people's history of this country where the, the, uh, the, the entire history of America is told, not through the lens well, of, of nationalism. Yeah, yeah the, the people's history by Howard Zinn is a great start. Absolutely. It's a rewriting of history, because the, the history is written by the winners, is the number one rule that kids should be taught. They should also be taught like how not to make assumptions, or you know, they should be taught these spiritual skills too, but they, sh- they need to be taught that to, to question authority and history. So history is written by the winners. There's no doubt about that. But there are facts. There are scientific facts that can't be undone. Um, and I think we're getting more and more facts as science digs up fossils and we, and we carbon date things and we move towards a, cl- a closer understanding of what our past is. So um, I think we need to differentiate between that, between the propaganda of history and the scientific data that we can't throw out with the baby in the bathwater, whatever that metaphor is. Absolutely. Well, I mean, Michael, I, I mean, we got to do set two immediately. We just burned through an hour here. Um, I oh, just, man, I, I didn't know you were going to ask me all these incredibly tough questions. I loved it. I thought we were just going to, no, talk you know, and that's what I tried. I tried, I tried, I tried to send you that. You should listen to that Bill Cosby interview, man. That that's, that was right. <laughs> be, that was, that was right before the world caved in on him. And I used to hold that as a badge of honor because, um, well, you should just listen to it for yourself. But yeah, you never, you know, expect the unexpected on the Jake Feinberg show, especially with with someone like yourself, dude. And plus, a farmer was telling me about the lineage of your family in California. We haven't even tapped into that yet. So, um, anyway, man, it's thank you for making me a sharper, better, and more, you know, uh, sentient being today, man. And uh, I look forward to seeing you on the bandstand sooner than later. It was a huge honor, Jake. You do incredible work. Um, what you're doing for the planet is fantastic. And I'm and hit me up if you need help up north. Oh, dude, I'm, no, no, I'm gonna. I'll give you an update. Listen, it's make or break in mid July. I'm. This thing is. It is not a pipe dream. And I'm telling you, what you just said out loud. Let's see if it manifests in the next you know, <laughs> few months, man. Be cool, yeah, right on, brother. All right, man. Later. Okay. Bye. Bye. Love yeah. you. Peace. <laughs> We'll be back with Spooner Oldham right after this.